So we've just got uh, three quick announcements uh, today. Uh, the first is just to uh, thank uh, Matt Norris, frankly, and for taking leadership with um, doing a project this last week on Thursday, kind of through both men's ministry and what he and Aubrey do with uh, local ministries. And it was building a set of shelves for the Life Choices uh, Pregnancy Center, and that's the final product right there. So there were about six or eight guys who joined in doing that, and uh, it really is just a blessing to them, and thanks, Matt, for his leadership on that. Um, the second one is that uh, there are a group of people who are putting together gifts for residents of Triple C, and we want to have individual cards, personalized cards, that go along with each of those gifts. So after service today, out on the, uh, in the front on the patio, I'm sorry, in the front, uh, is going to be a table with all the cards on it. So please take time, just go out, grab a pen, personalize a card that's going to go along with a gift to residents at Triple C. So that'll be out front. And lastly, just a reminder of the candlelight service, which will be next Saturday night at 7 p.m. And their reminder, there is not going to be a Christmas morning on Sunday service. All those activities and time to really celebrate that is going to take place at the candlelight service. Um. Well, this morning, we uh, have the wonderful privilege to actually complete our journey through the book, the letter of Philippians, if you've been with us. Right, a letter from the Apostle Paul to the Philippian believers in a city called Philippi. And uh, I'm just going to go ahead and start by reading this last uh, section. Again, a section of scripture. It's usually not called a paragraph. It's called a pericope. And so we're going to read uh, Philippians 4, 14 to 23. Just for those of you who really need closure, who can't leave that hanging thing, you're going to say, we actually read to the very end, right? Because I know some of you, if I didn't do that, you'd be like, What? We didn't read the whole thing. So we're going to read the whole thing, and then we're going to circle back uh, to what the, I believe the Lord wants us to focus on today. So Philippians 4, 14 to 23, the context is the Apostle Paul is writing to the believers in Philippi, and he's speaking about uh, their ongoing relationship over the past number of years where they have actually financially, sacrificially supported him in his ministry through the years. Okay, So that's where we're picking up in Philippians 4, 14. It says this, Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving, except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. And again, that's a concluding letter. Okay, and, and really we're going to focus mostly on verses 17, 18, and 19 today. And, and again, you know, the Lord's timing of, of what we're going to focus on in light of Christmas and, and even some statistics that I came across an article this past week, because we're going to be really talking about uh, finances in the sense of sacrificial giving and support. Uh, 
finances from a biblical perspective. And, and just to let you know, in early 2023, uh, we're going to go through uh, some biblical teaching on biblical stewardship to help all of us understand how to be the best uh, stewards of all that really God has given us, which he's really given us everything, right? We're just called to be stewards. He's the owner. Uh, but it's interesting, this article that came out, I believe it was December 15th, it said that 63% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. 63%, right? And what's even more interesting for me was 47% of those who earn more than six figures are living paycheck to paycheck. So 40% of those making $100,000 or more are currently living paycheck to paycheck, right? I've done a lot of premarital counseling, marital counseling, and, you know, 20, 30 years of ministry, and, and quite honestly, finances. Finance is one of the biggest areas of conflict, concern, really uh, issue that needs to be uh, looked at as husbands and wives and relationships, Right? Finances, primary source of conflict in marriages and relationships. And again, it's just really interesting that we come to this passage as we close out Philippians. And in many ways, uh, we're going to hear Paul speaking to the Philippians about their giving. But the principles apply to us all the way into 2022 and to 2023. Uh, You know, if you're listening to uh, the forecasters, economic forecasters, financial advisors out there, you know, they're, they're saying that, that our current state of economy isn't going to get any better anytime soon. And, uh, you know, a lot of households out there are already hurting. I don't, you know, we shop at Costco quite a bit, and, you know, you just walk up and down the aisles at Costco, and you're like, oh, my gosh, really? You're seeing 20% or more increase in some things, and you're just like, wow. And so this idea of finances, and really from a biblical perspective, being united in, a, in your home, even if you're single, having this proper uh, biblical perspective is really going to be uh, the heart of the message. And, and I'm really hoping that, that for some of you, it brings clarity, it brings joy, it brings freedom. Because uh, sometimes if we don't know how to handle it, we just sort of pick up what we were taught, pick up, you know, that, that uh, how many of you ever heard that saying, you know, well, we must have money. We still have checks, Right? But see, that even dates me because who writes checks anymore, right? What's a check? How do you write a check? How do you fill out a check, right? And so sometimes if, if you're not even aware of the biblical teaching on stewardship and finances, you just kind of go along with it and kind of just do what, what you saw was done, right? Uh, many of you know we've had five kids and we've raised them. And, and you know, as they get, get out of high school and into college, there's, there's life skills and life issues that come up, you know, car insurance, medical insurance, you know, all that kind of stuff, budgeting. And sometimes uh, my wife and I would say, why don't they teach us in school, right? The, the life skills, the, the practicalities of things, right? Sometimes we'd, we'd walk through our, our kids with something, and we're like, why don't they teach us in school? And, and sometimes in the church, when it comes to biblical stewardship, you can say, why don't they teach this? Well, it's in the Bible. It's just sometimes, uh, you know, it's not as emphasized or sometimes in the church we, people get a little weird about money and, you know, and all that. But it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be at all. And so today, uh, through Paul's letter 
to the Philippians, I'm really hoping that it lays a framework, a foundation for you moving forward uh, into 2023, maybe taking time to say, well, how did I handle my resources? Not just my money, but my resources. How did I handle? How, how, how was I stewarding God's resources in 2022? You know, what, what grade would I give myself? And, and then moving into 2023, taking an honest look, well, Lord, how can I glorify you in my stewardship of everything you've given me. And so today, again, laying a framework, a foundation, and, and I think it's going to be really, really helpful, okay? And so in verses 14 to 16, Paul, again, was recounting his relationship, ongoing relationship with the Philippians, really appreciative of all they've done. And then in verse 17, there's a shift, and he begins to, to move the, the focus of his letter from what I call the horizontal between him and the Philippians, and he says he starts to shift their focus away from Paul to God. He's starting to say, hey, you know what, guys, I, I, really, want to, I, want to, I really want to point out something to you. Everything you've done for me in supporting me self, uh, sacrificially and your finances and all that you've given to me, honestly, guys, it's not just between me and you. It's really between you and the Lord. And there's this shift, because what we do with our resources, it matters to God. It really does. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10 in the Amplified Version says this. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your crops, your income. Then your barns will be abundantly filled and your vats will overflow with new wine. Okay? Now, let me just put it right off the bat. This is not health, wealth, and prosperity gospel. This is not this self-centered, well, you know, gosh, there you go. Cha-ching. No, if, you, if you've already said cha-ching, you've missed the whole point. Because stewardship is really managing resources for the glory of God. It's not ultimately what I get. Now, we're going to see today in many verses that as we steward very well, we do reap benefit. We do. But it's not, we don't flip that to, I want, I want the, I'm doing this because of me. Okay, that's not what it is. It's, I'm doing this for God's kingdom, for God's glory, and by golly, I'm reaping benefits. Okay, what we reap is the byproduct, the fruit of being good stewards. We don't flip it to a self-centered thing, okay? In in, uh, Philippians 4, 17, it says this. Not that I seek the gift, okay? He's saying, you know what? What you've given me, it's not me just wanting more and more from you. He says, here's my real heartbeat, guys. Hey, Here's what I really want. I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. Now, in the the Amplified, it says this. Not that I seek the gift itself, not their money, not what they were sending, but I do seek the profit which increases to your heavenly account, the blessing which is accumulating for you. So here's what he's saying. Hey, guys, thank you so much for all that you've done for me all the years, but you want to really know what lights my fire? is what you're getting, your spiritual benefit. I'm fine, I'm being taken care of, but I want you to know, maybe you didn't know, that you have a heavenly account, and I'm really stoked about the fruit and the benefits you're accruing in your heavenly account. Okay, so you see the shift, right? Usually, when we give, you know, we give sort of a horizontal focus, and again, many of us may not even realize that as you give to the Lord's work, you're reaping some fruit and some benefits. Jack Arnold says this, 
what Paul is saying is that every gift to the Lord's work results in many spiritual dividends. This is laying up treasure in heaven. When we give to the Lord's work, it is like depositing money in God's bank, and that money is going to draw interest in the salvation of souls. Each time we give to the Lord's work, we are making a spiritual investment which should bring in spiritual profit. Therefore, beloved, invest wisely in the Lord's work. Put your money where it is going to earn the most spiritual profit. He's trying to shift. Okay? Very familiar passage in Matthew 6 says this. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That phrase, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. You know, that's one of those phrases. What does that, what does that mean? Well, in context, what it means is every time you are giving and, and, and providing support to the Lord's work, again, you are accruing spiritual dividends in heaven, into your heavenly bank account. Okay? Randy Alcorn says it this way. God keeps an account open for us in heaven. And every gift for his glory is a deposit in that account. Not only God, not only others, but we are the eternal beneficiaries of our giving. Have you been making regular deposits? But isn't it wrong to be motivated by reward? No, it isn't. If it were wrong... Christ wouldn't offer it to us as a motivation. Reward is his idea, not ours. Okay, so we're just putting it out there. Rewards are taught in the Bible. Now, what happens in our self-centered, me-centered, selfish, hoarding society, we flip that, well, geez, cha-ching, I want it all for me. I want it, no, that's... When, when we, the Bible speaks about rewards in heaven, what it's trying to do is free us from the self-centered hoardingness and saying, you know what? Uh, while you're on this planet, give it all away generously because in the eternal perspective, you're going to reap benefits for doing that. Amen? The rewards, the truth about rewards is designed to free us from self. It's designed to free us to give generously, sacrificially, knowing that it's not just going into the eternal abyss and black hole that God knows and it's being noted and it's being recorded and everything you do here for his kingdom and for his church is being noted and one day is coming back to bless you. Amen? Rewards is not selfish, it's selfless. Knowing that you have an eternal bank account frees you up to generously give while you're on this planet. That's what this is. That's what this is. That's the, that's the biblical rewards. That's why it's not a selfish motivation. Okay? Here's some verses about biblical rewards. Now, again, next year we're going to go in more in depth about this, but I just want to let you know. Rewards are taught in the Bible. Colossians 3. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. 1 Corinthians 3. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose. And they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. 
Matthew 10. And whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water because he is a disciple, truly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. Even the smallest gesture, giving someone a cup of water, is noted, is recorded, will be rewarded. Again, the whole point of the reward truth is to set us free, to be self-sacrificial, selfless, give it all away, because in the eternal picture, in the heavenly perspective, it all comes back. But what happens in our culture is we become, we, we, we turn inward, and it's mine, and it's my pay, paycheck, and it's my money, and it's my this, and it's my that. And rather than being selfless, we become very closed, very closed. And that's why, you know, it's always been a challenge sometimes, and, and I praise God for, for the elders at this church and how he kind of unites us in our vision for, for how we deal with finances around here. And when we say, seek the Lord and God loves a cheerful giver, we really mean that. Because it's a challenge to bring up money in the church. And what's the real challenge? The real challenge is that we're dealing with a culture that says it's all yours. It's all yours. And that the church, you know, whenever it comes, oh, here they go. You know, where's the thermometer? You know, and where's the guilt trip? And where's this? And it's like, it's weird because when the church talks about money and giving to God's kingdom, it's almost like we're prying it out of your hands. Like, come on. One percent, five, how about 10 percent? Oh, 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 right? You know? And then, but it's amazing because then, it was I looking at? Like the World Cup, and I was looking at... Uh, football game last night. And I'm like, you know how much money is spent? How much money these people drop to go watch the Bills? And uh, who are they playing? The Bills and the Dolphins? You know, I, they ran the numbers. I ran the numbers, you know, going to like SoFi to watch the Chargers or something. Just a ticket, that, that whole thing will cost you three to 500 bucks. I think it was like 80 to $100 to park. To park! Right, but we're like, ooh, gotta go, and we, you know, we're gladly swiping. We're, we're we're there, we're there, we're there, buying Dodger dogs. Which, thank you, Randy, introduced me to Dodger dogs. Right, <laughs> right, we're doing that, we're doing that, and so in the world, we're like, yeah, 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 give, give, give. And we, we swipe, we spend, we drop, you know, hundreds on events, and da, 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 nothing necessarily wrong with it. But then when it gets to the church, I knew it. Oh, and then it's, it's that stewardship series. Next, they're going to have envelopes in the rows, right? Next, they're going to want W-2s in there, you know what I mean? It just gets really weird when it doesn't have to be, amen? It doesn't have to be if we'll approach our finances from a biblical stewardship perspective and right off the bat understanding the eternal rewards, it just frees us. It really is, should be liberating and freeing for us. Now, it's a challenge. It is a challenge. But it's mostly a challenge, I think, because we just don't do as good a job as we can in the church teaching it. We, we really just don't come alongside uh, young college folk or even teenagers or even young marrieds, and we just kind of like assume you're doing it. And, you know, I think we can do a lot better job really just helping you to understand what it means to be a steward of God's resources. 
Okay, so, so we, we have to own that as well. But rewards are taught in the Bible. How you steward and everything, it's all designed to free us to be self-sacrificial, generous givers. Okay? It's designed to change our perspective. Designed to change our perspective. Okay? Now, another check that this doesn't become about me and selfishness is this, Philippians 2. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others, okay? So, so this whole reward thing, it's not about selfish ambition. It's not about what I get fundamentally, okay? It's about others. When Jesus says in John 13, 34, he says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. That word love is agape, okay? Self-sacrificial love. It's the love of the cross, Agape love, which is what we're called to have for one another, is self-sacrificial for the benefit of the other person with nothing expected in return. You got to remember that that is self. Now, again, our culture, love turns into a very selfish thing. I love you. I need you. I can't live without you. What's the first word in all of that? I, right? So even this concept of love in our culture, if we're not careful, is very self-centered and selfish, whereas biblical love, agape love, is all about the other person with nothing expected. Think about that. I will, I will self-sacrificially give of my time, my resources, my energy for your benefit, and I don't expect anything back. That's agape love. That's that love for you and me. Okay, so if you bring that into your financial perspective, suddenly you're like, well, man, with my finances, how can I agape people? How can I self-sacrificially give to someone with no payback expected? That's freeing, amen? To get to that place is liberating, okay? But I understand it can be challenging because that is not the culture we live in. The culture, all again, is about your stuff, you know, that, that phrase a while back, you know, he who dies with the most toys wins, that whole mentality, right? It can be tough. It can be tough because to have a biblical perspective on your finances and stewardship really is countercultural. It really is, okay? And so he says in verse 18, he says, I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. So again, he's, he's very thankful. He's like, I'm good to go. Now, look what he says. He describes their gifts in a very interesting way. He says, the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. What an interesting shift. He says, you know what? I'm good to go. I got your gifts. And by the way, your gifts, those are fragrant offerings. Those are sacrifices acceptable and pleasing to God. You're like, what? I just wrote a check. Again, what he's trying to do is change our minds, our framework from just seeing, oh, let's just give to the missionaries. Let's just give to homes of hope. Let's just give to, you know, our offerings to the church because it's just giving. It is not just giving. Amen? According to this, it is a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to who? To God. When you're self-sacrificially giving, generously giving, that's pleasing to God. It's part of worship. 
That's the heart of it. That's the heart of it. It's not pulling teeth and trying to, you know, wring out every little dr- No. It's like, you know, that's why I'm amazed. We've been in church almost 13 years now. We started in, it's, I don't know, Cindy's living room. Where's Cindy's living room? I don't know, is Cindy here? She was here. But we're in a little house right over here in a Cindy's den. And I remember when we first started, a little basket. Well, should we take an offering? We're going to be a church. I remember that little basket. And I remember, you know, after that Saturday night Bible study, you know, I'm like, cool, five bucks, you know. <laughs> but from that faithfulness of those people to sitting in this room, amen, to, to being online, to reaching people around the country and blessing continuing care center with 75 to 80 gifts and building homes in Mexico. How many homes have we built, Mark, like over the years? Like 10 or more homes in Mexico, right? And, and Kaya Ministries and all around the world. From this church that began with, with, in the living room over there with a little basket. Why? Because of generous giving. Self-sacrificial giving to the Lord's work. It's, it's mind-boggling for me. It has literally been a miracle. Just every time I look at the giving and the monthly giving, and you are so faithful and you're so generous, it is mind-boggling. And we have lived the truths that we're teaching. That's why it means so much to me. Because you have demonstrated self-sacrificial, generous giving, and God has met the needs of this church. This has been a very generous giving church to the kingdom and to the world, and God has supplied every need for this church for 13 years. That's, we're, li- we're living this passage. We are living this passage. And so, in the Bible, it speaks about our heart to giving. I just want to share some of this with you, right? Sacrificial, number one is sacrificial. Story of the widow's might. I love this version in Mark 12. Then Jesus sat down opposite the temple alms box and watched the people putting their money into it. A great many rich people put in large sums. Then a poor widow came up and dropped in two little coins, worth together about a half penny. Jesus called his disciples to his side and said to them, Believe me, this poor widow has put in more than all the others, for they have all put in what they can easily afford. But she in her poverty, who needs so much, has given away everything, her whole living. See, it's not the quantity. It's the heart that God's looking at, right? So sacrificial giving, cheerful giving. Number two, cheerful giving, 2 Corinthians 9. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. I love this version. We'll read it again in the Phillips. Let everyone give as his heart tells him, neither grudgingly nor under compulsion. For God loves the man who gives cheerfully. After all, God can give you everything that you need so that you may always have sufficient, both for yourselves and for giving away to other people. As the scripture says, he has dispersed abroad, he has given to the poor, his righteousness remains forever. So sacrificial giving, cheerful giving, cheerful giving, okay? Number three, generous giving. Proverbs 11. One person gives freely, yet gains even more. 
Another withholds unduly but comes to poverty. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Okay? And the Amplified says this. There is the one who generously scatters abroad. It increases all the more. And there is the one who withholds what is justly due. But it results only in want and poverty. The generous man is a source of blessing and shall be prosperous and enriched. And he who waters will himself be watered, reaping the generosity he has sown. Amen? That's what it is. This is, when you understand finances from a biblical perspective, suddenly you become this source of blessing. Suddenly your finances aren't shackles around you. It's not bondage around you. You're looking for ways to bless the kingdom. You're looking for ways with your money, doesn't matter, again, we're not talking amounts necessarily, we're talking heart, you start looking for ways to make eternal impact. We all want to make an impact, right? We all want to make a difference. And suddenly when you understand biblical stewardship, you're like, man, this is pretty cool. In fact, here it says, the more generous I am, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be good, Right? But the world says, you're doing what? You're giving again? Oh, they're just taking advantage of you. Oh, they just want your money. Oh, you don't know where that's going, right? The world is so suspicious and so you know, critical and negative about generosity and giving. Whereas the Lord says, give it away. Be generous. You'll be blessed in your generosity, okay? Because we're stewards. This is very, very important. Psalm 20, 24. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The Lord and all his people belong to him. See this again, deep countercultural principle here because in America, we are all taught about owning. You want to own your house. You want to own your car. You want to own your clothes, your business, right? It's mine. I own it. Suddenly, Psalm 24 says, no, you don't. The Lord owns it all. You're just a steward. You're just a steward. See, if you will, if you will ponder just that paradigm shift, it could radically change. If you go from owner, hoarder, holder, controller to steward, it changes everything. It changes your priorities. It changes how you budget. It, 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 and, and, and it's freeing in the sense that you're not having to fight off the world that wants to take your stuff. Everyone wants my stuff because it's my stuff and I worked really hard for my stuff. You really don't own it. You really don't own it. I mean, you bought a house. You might have paid off your house, but you still got property taxes. What happens if you don't pay your property taxes? You don't own it. Think about it. But I'm a homeowner. Well, don't pay your property taxes and then see who owns your home. Sorry to burst your bubble, but you kind of sold that. I, I own my house. Well, no, you don't. You're still paying for it, right? Think about that, right? But we're sold this American dream, you know, and I get it, and I'm, you know, about ownership. The Lord owns it all. He just blesses us with stuff, especially the United States. We are just blessed beyond measure. Amen? 
That's why I encourage you, if you're ever able to go with Mark and the team down across the border, five hours that way, and you go see the homes that they were living in before they built the homes, you will come back and you'll sit there and go, I live like a king and a queen. You build a house, a house for a home that's probably smaller than some of your living rooms. I mean, that's, right? And, and so I get the challenge. I get it. We're raised to own, to accumulate private property, all this. And into, into this comes the biblical framework like it's all God's. It's all God's, and we're stewards of it. And I'll never forget this. I was, I was just sort of seeking, and I was going to a Bible study Friday night uh, as a non-believer at this home in, in San Diego, and Nadine would bring me. And I'd walk in there, and I start interacting with, uh, you know, the, the homeowners and why they open their house. And I was like, why do you open your house to all these people every Friday night? Right? And he goes, literally, he said this, and I didn't really understand it. I was kind of like new to the whole Christian thing. He goes, it's not our house. It's the Lord's. And I just did not understand that. It's the Lord's. Yeah, it's the Lord's. You know? We just open it up because we think the Lord wants us to have people here, and it's the Lord's house. And it was so cool because he wasn't trying to be hyper-spiritual. This was literally how they viewed their house. It was the Lord's house. And I'm like, that's pretty cool. You know? What a, what a, what a perspective. You know, because I was a young college student just on the verge of getting into law school and everything, and I was ready to go buy my own house and my own, and my own, and my own, and suddenly this guy said, it's the Lord's house. That's why we open it up. So free. They were so free with that, okay? Dwight Pentecost says this, we are responsible before God for the use of every material thing that God puts into our hands. We are not only responsible for the surplus, we are responsible for every penny. Our material goods are to be used under the control of the Spirit of God so that the saints' needs might be met and the servants' needs might be met. And God might be satisfied as we give sacrifices acceptable and well-pleasing to God. I trust that God may give such an attitude toward the material things he has given to us that we shall no longer divide them into his and ours, but recognize that they all belong to him and that we are stewards of what he has entrusted to us so that we might use them to the glory of his name. Amen? Right? I love that distinction. His and ours. His and ours. Even the elders here, what I love about our perspective is that we recognize as an elder board when we meet and we pray, this is God's church. This is God's church. And we just happen to be the elders, the pastors that happen to be here for this season at the well, but we're, this is God's church. We're just stewarding it the best we can. Whatever finances come in, the vision to do things that we do, missions and even local, it's just stewardship. The elders and pastors here, we're just stewards of this. And we, we, we don't take that lightly at all. In fact, it's very weighty. When you give self-sacrificially and generously to God's work through the well, that is weighty for us. And we do our best to steward it the best that we can for God's kingdom and God's glory. Amen? Even the elders here. It's not our church, right? When we joke, we joked when we started the church. Everyone used to say, oh, it's Richie's church. It's not my church. Please never say that. 
Carl made a mug said Richie's Church on it. And I'm like, Carl, come on, man. Don't, why'd you make me a mug that said Richie's Church? It's not my church. I don't want the church. <laughs> Y'all can have the church. <laughs> I'm just a steward. We're just stewards, right? Think about, just, just think for a moment right now. Close your eyes. Think about everything in your house. Think about what's in your 401k, your bank account, savings, and put the word steward God's just blessed you in varying degrees. You're just a steward of it. You're just a steward, okay? And then Philippians 4.19, it's a very familiar verse. Hopefully, everything we talked about now puts this verse in context because this verse is pulled out of context just like 4.13 is, okay? 4.19 says this, And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. This does not mean blank check. This is not prosperity gospel. I'm hoping that 17 and 18, verse 17 and 18, puts 19 in context. He gets to 19 after talking about their generous self-sacrificial giving. Amen? Don't, don't take 19 out of context. It's part of context, okay? What he's saying is, you know what? Hey, Philippians, you met my need out of your sacrificial generous giving. You know what? God's going to meet your needs. That's the context of this. Okay? Again, Dwight Pentecost says this. The promise that, quote, my God shall supply all your need presupposes obedience. To claim the fulfillment of the promise without giving obedience to God is presumptuous. It shows a lack of faith. The Philippians were obedient. They were obedient to the gospel. They were obedient to the demands of love for the apostle. And they were obedient in their obligation to God's servant. It is foolish to think that you can squander what God has given you on yourself and then expect him to step in and meet your need. That's not stewardship. That's Santa Claus. Right? We, we somehow want to just live it up and run up credit card debt and live for ourselves. And then we're like, wait, what happened to verse 19? God said he's going to meet all my needs. You, you've been a poor steward of it all. You've been wasting God's money. And then you get mad at God for not meeting your needs. You, you see how it's taken out of context? That, that's not what this is saying, okay? When it says, he shall supply, the word picture is filling a glass to overflowing. He says, but he'll supply all of your needs. Needs versus greeds. See, that's the challenge for us, again, in the good old USA. How many of us live at the need level? The need level. How many of you, honestly, you're looking for something to wear, and you get angry because you can't find it in the midst of all the piles that are in your way? I'm with you. I'm with you. You know, people don't realize, like, every Sunday, because I'm up up front and I'm on camera now and all this, you know, there is some forethought into what I have to wear. <laughs> and Saturday night, my wife says, what are you wearing? Because I want to match you. And I'm like, I don't know yet. I'm still trying to figure it out. But again, in my, let's just call it acquisition over the years, I experienced the frustration of looking for the shirt that is buried beneath five other shirts. 
or the sweater that's hidden behind all the other color sweaters that I, at one point I thought I really needed. Right? This idea of need. He shall supply all your needs. What do you really need? I mean, if we're honest, right? Are we living at the needs level? And, and you go to homes of hope. You go across the border. They're needs level. That's subsistence. That's day to day. Okay. We come here, right? And again, if it's not your clothes, it's your fridge. Where is that? And I'm moving things out of the, you know, it's so funny. I, uh, I had to go down and, and help my mom empty out her fridge uh, a few months ago, and, and it reminded me of us. Most of us, I don't know about you, but I'll be honest, our fridge, we live like in the first three inches. Anyone living like the first three inches of your fridge, like everything you need is right there, and then everything behind there, you have no clue. And then you get something new, and you try to put it in the three inches, and it doesn't fit. Because you got a foot behind there. You're like, what is behind there? And then you decide to clean it out, and it's a science project. (laughs) Expired 2020, honey. It's still good. It's in the fridge. You know, like... That's our culture. We just accumulate and we live and then we just, you know, right? Right, Christine? Christine's like this professional organizer, so I'm sure you have dealt with this, right? You, you know, you've seen this, right? The needs. So God says that he shall supply all of our needs. That in and of itself is liberating if we can go back to the needs, right? In fact, they say, you know, if you talk to some financial planners out there, it's one of the ways to, to get your finances under control and to even accumulate some wealth moving forward is to live under your income. 63% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. All they might need to do is go to the needs level, and suddenly they've got a percentage of savings. Because a lot of that paycheck to paycheck isn't needs, it's subscriptions, it's extras, wants, right? Needs versus greeds, needs versus wants. You might be surprised. You might be surprised if you take time, the end of this year, moving into next year, if you sat down and you did a, what do we need? You might find out that God has hooked you up financially already. You've just been leaking money into the greeds and wants. You, you shore that up, you're like, oh my gosh. Are you kidding? At the end of 2023, if we put all the, all the money we save, we, we cut back on the wants and the greeds, we put all that money into savings, oh my gosh, by the 2023, boom. Or we cut back and that money that's going to wants and greeds, we go to paying off debt, we could be debt free. How many would love to be credit card debt free, right? God might be providing already. We just need to trim as stewards. Remember, this is a stewardship. This is a stewardship. Okay? Jack Arnold says this. This verse makes it clear that God will supply the Christian's needs. He doesn't promise to meet our wants, but our needs. Food, clothing, housing, and other things which are absolutely necessary for living. He does not say a Christian may not go through some hard times and have to skip a meal now and then. Needs and wants can often get all scrambled up in the Christian's mind especially in our materialistic society. Wants and needs deal with motivations. 
People are funny. They spend money they don't have to buy things they don't need to impress folks they don't like. Right? Right? My goodness. My goodness. What would happen if we just came back to the, remember last week, contentment? Contentment at the need level. Amen? And yet, we're in the middle of Christmas season. And yet, the pressures of gifts and matching people's if they gave you something, now you got to reciprocate and give them something back. And then trying to, you know, kids, how are we going to give the kids gifts? And when is enough enough? And all this that we talked about, it's, it can be challenging. That's why we need to stay rooted and grounded in the Word of God, to navigate it. And I want to encourage you moms and dads raising your kids, you may want to spend time sitting down and talking to them about biblical stewardship at a young age. To equip them, even when they start earning money, you know, a little allowance or things on the side, teach your kids stewardship. Teach your kids a biblical perspective of money. Who owns it all? Give them the joy of generous giving. Right? That's a great thing. As a mom and dad, you want to equip your your kids? Teach them biblical stewardship. Okay? 1 Timothy 6. Godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs, right? I love this passage, great passage, just a foundational root passage of contentment at the need level with God. And yet we live in a society, we talked about it last week. Why is it a challenge? Our society just constantly tells you to be discontent. Discontent, discontent, discontent. You know, and they give you all the things that you can buy to make you feel content, make you feel complete, make you feel like you're somebody, status symbols, right? But here, 1 Timothy 6 is, we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. Food and clothing. Contentment. Okay? And then he says, according to his riches, in glory in Christ. And, and I just want to spend a little bit of time here. It, it says that God will supply all your need according to his riches in Christ Jesus. There, that, that, that little phrase there, according to, all right. Eileen, uh, can you put up 419 again in the ESV? My God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. There's a big difference between according to and out of. Okay, let's say uh, a millionaire shows up and says, hey, I want to give you some money. Marvin, billionaire shows up and says, I want to give you some money, right? You, you know he's a billionaire. Probably get excited, wouldn't you? Opens his wallet, drops a $1 bill. See, he's giving you out of his riches 
he dropped you 10K or a million, that would be according to his riches. One is a portion, one is a proportion. So when it says that God will supply every need of yours according to his riches, that's proportional to God's riches. It's not a billionaire dropping you a, a buck. God will supply all your needs according to, in proportion to his riches. Amen? Amen? Okay, according to, according to, not just out of, according to. And here's his riches, Psalm 50, verse 10. For every beast of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills. Now, in our context, you're like, oh, okay, he owns a bunch of cows. You know, no, no, that's not. In, in context, right, cattle was currency. So when they saw this in the context, they were like, Bill Gates. They were like exponential. If you can't count the cattle on a thousand hills. And cattle was currency. So what he's saying is God's, God is like the man. His wealth you cannot measure. That's what it means for him to own the cattle on a thousand hills. That's the God that will give you your needs according to his riches. He owns it all. He is the wealthiest in the universe ever, and he says he will supply mine your needs. As we give generously, sacrificially, cheerfully, he will supply our needs according to his wealth. That's liberating. That's freeing. That's exciting. That, that, that should, you know, you're like, okay. Because a lot of us live under this constant burden and, and we're scared and we're anxious and we're worried about the retirement and, the, and this and that. And I'm not saying those things aren't important. But when they become the idol, when they become the beast of burden, when they become the driver and what you're constantly thinking of, you got to stop as a believer. you got to stop and you've got to say, wait, have I moved into making Money, my idol. Money, my source of security. Money, my source of contentment. Money, my source of peace. That's the point of what he's saying here. Paul's like, you know what? Come on. Thank you. Thank you for giving to me. But hey, Philippian church, you're the one that's getting the real blessing here. <laughs> I really appreciate what you've done. And I'll say that to you as the lead pastor at the well. I really appreciate all your generous giving, but what I'm excited about is how God is going to bless you. And I'm really excited about all the little notes in your spiritual accounts, all the little notations, all your generous giving over all these years and into 2023. I'm excited for you, for the rewards that await you because of your participation with us here at the well. That's the big we. You steward your money. I steward my money personally. We give here to the church and the elders steward it all. God gets all the glory. We reap the benefit of the reward. That's God's economy. That's God's economy. And I, and I just was really excited in a sense to, to share this with you because of what's going on in the economy right now. The national economy, thousands of people getting laid off, right? Projections for inflation to go into all the way through 2024, everything. 
the way we are going to weather this is by staying rooted in the word of God. Okay? The economy can change. Inflation rate can change. Numbers can change. God's word never changes. We stay rooted in this. We honor God as stewards, knowing that as we steward, as we generously give with the right heart, he will supply all of our need according to his riches in heaven. And we get the joy of blessing others with the blessings. Just give it all away. You know, sometimes you've heard say, you can't outgive God. You can't outgive God. And we've had lean times. When Nadine and I started in ministry, there was a time in San Diego, yeah, things got really lean as we pursued God's calling. And we had the, we had like, I lived this verse, I was thinking of this week. There was one day in San Diego, we were really strapped, didn't know where money was coming from, didn't know. And literally on a Saturday morning, I opened the door to go out for something. I looked down and there's a bag of groceries. Nobody knew what God did, but God put it on someone's heart just to go buy groceries. And I'm like, honey, look, someone dropped off food. They didn't even know. And, and I, I'm, just, I'm just sharing with you, yeah. God will meet all your needs. God will. And, and sometimes, you know, he does it in all these variety of ways. You don't limit God to just meeting your needs in a certain way. Even as a church this year, we had income come in from sources that <laughs> wasn't just, you know, your generous giving, but there were outside sources we had no clue even existed. Bill, because of his gifting and his, his wonderful stewardship as a treasurer here, he, he did some research. We found out that there were things out there, funding sources to churches that, would, that blessed this church, blessed you. God meeting our needs in ways that we didn't even know existed. Like literally did not know existed. And he's like, hey, brothers, guess what I found? I'm like, go find more. You know what I mean? <laughs> My point is God can provide your needs in a lot of different ways. It might be a bag of groceries. It might be someone just, hey, you never know. That's kind of the fun of the adventure in a sense. It's going, wow, I can't believe that. Look what God did. Right? You remember that. That's crazy. Right? And so Philippians 4, 18 to 20, I just want to close reading it in the Phillips. It says this. Now I have everything I want. In fact, I am rich. Yes, I am quite content thanks to your gifts received through Epaphroditus. Your generosity is like a lovely fragrance, a sacrifice that pleases the very heart of God. My God will supply all that you need from his glorious resources in Christ Jesus. And may glory be to our God and our Father forever and ever. Amen. Keith Krell summarizes it. He says this, Whenever you invest your time, treasures, and talents in God's kingdom, God deposits fruit into your ERA, eternal retirement account. So God, others, and you benefit when you give. It is important to understand that you become a partner with whomever you support. If you support our church, anything that the Lord allows our staff and ministries to accomplish, you share in. This means that when you stand before Christ, you will be rewarded for the fruit that comes from our ministry. Even though the Philippians were 800 miles away from Paul, they supported his ministry. And through Paul's fruit, 
the eternal payoff for them will be great. Perhaps you need to spend more time investing in your ERA than in your IRA. We need to ask, where can our money have the most eternal impact? Right? So we've just got uh, three quick announcements uh, today. Uh, The first is just to uh, thank uh, Matt Norris, frankly, and for taking leadership with um, doing a project this last week on Thursday, kind of through both men's ministry and what he and Aubrey do with uh, local ministries. And it was building a set of shelves for the Life Choices uh, Pregnancy Center, and that's the final product right there. So there were about six or eight guys who joined in doing that, and uh, it really is just a blessing to them, and thanks, Matt, for his leadership on that. Um, The second one is that uh, there are a group of people who are putting together gifts for residents of Triple C, and we want to have individual cards, personalized cards, that go along with each of those gifts. So after service today, out on the, uh, in the front, on the patio, I'm sorry, in the front, uh, is going to be a table with all the cards on it. So please take time, just go out, grab a pen, personalize a card that's going to go along with a gift to residents at Triple C. So that'll be out front. And lastly, just a reminder of the candlelight service, which will be next Saturday night at 7 p.m. And their reminder, there is not going to be a Christmas morning on Sunday service. All those activities and time to really celebrate that is going to take place at the candlelight service. Um.